Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. G'day, this is uh, Better Than Yesterday, the Wednesday edition, Better Make It Quick, in which I, Osher Ginsburg, asked Bree Steele, one of my producers, to go back through the catalogue and find some episodes that are worth a second run and finding the good bits. So you don't have to listen to the whole thing, but hopefully you listen to enough of it. You go, I'm going to have to listen to the whole thing. Uh, thanks for being here. Today's episode is with Alicia Malone. We've been mates for a long time and I'm so grateful I know her. This conversation took place in 2017. We you know, connected online because she lives in Los Angeles and she doesn't live there now. She lives, still lives in the States though. Alicia is an absolute film lover to her absolute core. She is the host of Turner Classic Movies in the US. She was born in Canberra and moved to Sydney the day after she graduated from high school and pretty much straight away signed up for a film and TV production course. She's got quite an incredible career path and that drive has always been with her. I was excited because I won a half scholarship and then I realised that they gave that to everyone. And <laughs> so I think they just set that rate for everyone and then made it seem like you got half price. And when I got there, it was very much like that. It was really outdated equipment with cameras with those VHS tapes that you would put in the side and then pop in and record. And through that course, the reason that course was so great is because I met a lot of friends. I had a place to go when I moved to Sydney, but I met a friend, Bree Hills, and she gave me the job at Channel 7 because she got a job at Channel 7 through her drama teacher from high school. And then she was working at Channel 7 as a production assistant. And they said to her, do you know anyone from your course that you do who would be great for the upcoming Sydney 2000 Olympics? We need more people. And she said, Alicia, 
Alicia would be great. So I started working at Channel 7 through that course, which was wow. amazing. And then uh, once I started at Channel 7, I was really obnoxious in that course because I would just be like, um, no, actually, at Channel 7, we don't do things like that. <laughs> uh-huh. But, yeah, I kind of realized just how, how wrong that course was. But it, it, it wasn't a waste of time because it gave me that stepping stone into a big TV network. But it is it is super important that, that we you know that that is the because everyone we all have that person in our careers. I was just talking about JJ was my guy when I was trying to find jobs in the radio industry in Brisbane. It's the person that I'd met years before who recognised me and went, "Oh yeah, that guy." And it just shows you it's like it's not it's not just who you know; it's who knows what you know exactly. and what, what you know and and that you had that opportunity and now for folks who, who don't know what network seven is it's one of the three big free-to-air networks in australia i guess it's the australian equivalent of nbc um and yes they are the, the ones that carry the olympics and of course the sydney 2000 olympics was colossal network mm-hmm. seven was the local host broadcaster and the production must have been fucking massive it was. um what was your first job there I was doing auto cue, rolling auto cue. So first out, I just started standing by the side of the camera with a dot. Yeah, it was printer. exactly <laughs> like that. It was exactly the same. Although I did, I did miss the uh, the previous iteration of the auto cue, which was paper, but fed through a camera, so it wasn't. Yeah. It was more high tech. But by the time I got there, it was computers. So I started out just helping out clean up scripts for for the news for Seven News and photocopying scripts for the news presenters. And then I moved on to rolling auto cue or teleprompter as they call it over here. And that's been really great now in my career because I can read teleprompter really, really well because I was practicing that whole time that I was rolling for the presenters. But I really loved that job. I started out working uh, both for the news and for Sunrise, and this was Sunrise when it first began. So Sunrise, six, six o'clock till nine o'clock in the morning, like yes. a Good Morning America kind of show. Yeah. Exactly, and this was a time when it was a one-hour news show, and then so I was there from the very beginning of Sunrise right till it became this huge, huge thing and, and a ratings winner. But I started out Sunrise doing auto cue for the presenters, and then that's what I did at the Olympics, and I lucked out with the job at the Olympics because I got to roll auto cue for Roy and HG who is such a great comedy duo and they had the best show uh, at the Olympics called The Dream where they would just make fun of the Olympics and it was really lighthearted and they had great guests and uh, I didn't have to do much as an auto cue uh, roller for them because they just riff off the top of their heads. So really all I had to do was flash up throw to break and then no really throw to break and then you absolutely must throw to break because <laughs> they would never wrap up in time to go to the commercial breaks. But they were lovely and that was a great time. Plus I got to meet Bardo, who was an Australian pop band and I was obsessed with them, so I was really excited. <laughs> and I work with Sophie Monk every day. Yeah, now, I know. So. <laughs> I still get excited about that. <laughs> what did it... I mean, you so we talk, you know, you and I often talk about flight miles and, uh, you know, getting the flight miles at the video store gave you this incredible, you know, knowledge and breadth and, uh, you know, vocabulary in not only film, but also rhythm and editing. And are you would have been paying attention to many things like not only camera work, but also plot structures mm-hmm. and story structure and things like that. When you get to um, Network 7 and you're doing it, I'm guessing five, six, seven, Seven days a week at that point in time. Yes. Because you're the young one and, and yeah, at least you'll cover the shift. Exactly. Um, 
what what did you get out of that career experience? Well, it's funny now looking back, I realize that everything I've done has led to where I am now. And everything, every step along the way has given me a skill that's become really important later on where for a while I would beat myself up because I really wanted to be on camera, but I never had the confidence to say that. So I struggled with self-esteem for many years, still do, uh, but it was really paralyzing in my early 20s. So I didn't feel strong enough to say that's what I want to do. But nothing's a mistake and everyone has their own timeline. So learning, I learned so much working behind the scenes at Channel 7. I did auto cue and then I did what's called deco, which is, First was Chiron, and then it became Deco, a computerized version. The graphics that go up at the bottom of the screen called the supers during the news program. So I would type in people's names. I would type in the weather graphics. And then I moved on to a couple of other jobs, including producing. But I learned so much about a TV production, what it takes to do television. And now when people ask me, how do I do what you do? I always say, try and work behind the scenes. Because if mm. you want to be in front of the camera, you should know what everyone else's job is behind the camera and how you can help them out. Because I never saw the host or the talent as the most important part of the process. They're just one of the many jobs and their job is just as important as the producer's job, as the editor's job, as the writer's job. And once you realize that behind the scenes, then you can be a really good host in front of the scenes. So it taught me a lot, including finding my self-confidence in the end. I'm always a little bit reluctant about courses that supposedly teach you how to make it in the film and TV industries. Sometimes people can pay a lot of money for a piece of paper, but I guess it's the same with high school, really. But if there's one thing that those courses are quite good for, it's for making connections. And in Australia, well, at least in my experience, it's not what you know, it's who knows what you know. And like so many Australians who love film and television, Alicia had dreams to move to Los Angeles and make it. What eventually got her on the plane and buying a ticket to the US? Uh I think I realized that it was scarier not to try than to try and fail. So I always had the dream of moving to Hollywood ever since watching these classic movies and reading these stories about stars. And again, I was felt too shy to think about moving over. Uh, I started working at Movie Network, which is a cable network in Australia, no longer exists, but it had three different channels, which I loved. It had a, a classics channel, indie cl channel, and a new release channel. And that's why I started working in front of the camera, where I just started suggesting shows that they could record on the back of other shoots that I could produce and edit that wouldn't cost them any money. And, oh, yeah, I can host that too. Eventually they let me try. And then it got to 2010, and I thought... I should just go for it. And what do I have to lose? I I wasn't sure what was next for me in Australia because I wanted to stay in film. And I thought the same amount of people come to Australia, whether I'm working for Sunrise at, on air or Today Show on air or Movie Network on air, I'm still going to get my 10 minutes with Will Ferrell, who's in town and talking to everyone. So I might as well go to where all the film stars are in the centre of the film world and that was Hollywood. And actually, I have to say that you were so great during that time, because even though we didn't know each other that well, you had moved over to Los Angeles and I was following your photos of the day. And I remember I came to your exhibition 
in Bondi that you had of all your photos. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you were so nice because, I mean, you didn't know who I was, but I was like, I, I really want to move to L.A. And most people, when I said that, said, how are you going to do that? Do you have a job? Do you have savings? Where are you going to live? Do you know anyone? You know, L.A. is a tough city. I don't know if you could do it. And I remember you pointed to the photo that I ended up buying of you in front of the Arclight Cinerama Dome, the, the yeah. cinema here in Hollywood, the famous old school cinema. And you said, that's going to be your local cinema when you move to L.A. And that was one of the first times that someone said, like, you can do it, essentially. So I still have that photo. So thank you for that. Oh, and it that's... is my local cinema. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. I mean, and that was uh, for, for folks who, who may not have caught up. I did in two thousand nine and two thousand ten. I I took a I took a self portrait every day for a year as an exercise in my own photography. But what I ended up doing was documenting the last six months uh, of me drinking, the first six months of my sobriety. Um, the last ever uh, season of Australian Idol, getting a green card, moving to America full time, like all kinds of crazy, crazy shit. The first six months of working on this new radio show, like it just turned out to be this most full on year. Um, and uh, yeah, the, that the, that gallery you're talking about, it's not there anymore. It was in Surrey Hills, but yeah, oh, I remember that Surrey night. Surrey Hills, was, yeah. No, that's okay. That that's all right. That was a gallery. Yeah, that was, that was that was a fun night, and um, I'm so stoked that you did. I'm so stoked that you you got on that plane. Were you were you pumping tunes on the plane the way you pump tunes down <laughs> yeah. the, the Hume Highway? Yeah, I was. I was so excited about moving to LA that once again I had no fear about it. I was just like, so long, stink town, and I got on the plane. And I had my teddy bear with me. I remember I took that from home, and I was at security, and. Um, the security guard was like, oh, look at you taking a teddy bear to America. And I was like, that's right, I'm going to Hollywood with my teddy bear. And then <laughs> I just got on the plane and I was so excited and I landed and I was so excited. And it never really hit me that, that like, oh, I was in L.A. It's It does at weird times. So sometimes it still hits me where I'm like, oh, I live in Los Angeles. That's strange in America. But yeah. it was so seamless to transition. I'm sure you felt this as well. There's not a whole lot of difference between Sydney and L.A. There is, but there isn't. So it yeah. felt very familiar from the start, and I was just excited to be there. Tell me more about what you said before about the fear of not going was bigger than the fear of going. Yeah, I just thought that I could stay and do the same thing or I could try something new. And if the something new didn't work, I could always go home. But I was kind of more scared that I would never go for my dreams if I didn't take that opportunity right then and there and that I could get very comfortable doing what I was doing and settle down in, in Sydney, but I always wanted something more. So I thought I just have to try and there's nothing to lose at the end of the day. Always come back. You can always come home again. Uh, there's always something familiar to land back and, and return to, but always give it a try every single time. It is always scarier to not try than try. Taking big risks is not easy, but not trying is way scarier. I absolutely agree with Leash there. She's a gun. She has worked so hard and stays working so hard to keep achieving what she is achieving. In a moment, we'll hear how Alicia, just a regular regular person from Canberra, became a super successful author and TV host in Los Angeles in her chosen field. Right after this. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we're speaking with Alicia Malone. She's a TV host and author. She's uh, currently the host of Turner Classic Movies in the US. She's a highly sought after and respected expert in film. Alicia has achieved just so much. And I wondered, what does she do to keep track along the path to that kind of achievement? I'm a big believer in writing your goals. So, and specifically so. Uh, so a couple of years ago, I wrote down how much I wanted to earn a month, and now I do that. That's amazing. Now, uh, I vaguely recall your old house in Silver Lake, and you're talking to me on your desktop computer right now. Are they to the left-hand side of your screen on the wall? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I need to come up with some more because now I, am, I have achieved a lot of my goals, which is crazy. What is it, what does it mean to you to, be, to, to have those goals written down? Why is it helpful? I think it's helpful to visualize exactly what you want and, and being specific about it. It opens up your mind to opportunities that come your way. And I'm a huge believer in telling people what you want to do, like just telling everyone, this is my dream. I want to work for TCM. That is my dream. And then you never know who's going to know someone or who's going to connect you somewhere. And uh, of course, being realistic that you have to work on your skills and make sure that you're at the level that will be ready when the opportunity comes, that you can walk in there and be who they need for for the job. But uh, I do believe in the power of visualization. And if you can see it, you can be it. So I put it on my wall. And when I need to, I go over it in my head, affirmations, uh, talk to the mirror you know put on music it sounds like really cheesy stuff but it works it really really works do you adjust those goals if you need to yes I do yeah there's some goals that I would write down that then I go back and I think actually I don't want to do that anymore because you change so much as you go along and um yeah just really being as specific as as possible which you think it would make it more difficult. Like, for example, I wrote down that I wanted to have a job where I talked only about indie, art house, foreign and classic and cult films, and that's exactly what Filmstruck is. So I didn't think that there was going to be many jobs <laughs> around that allow me to do that. 
but I knew that if the opportunity came, I would be the right person for the job because I would make sure that I had the expertise, I had the practice on air, and I had all the skills needed. And when the when the job arrived, you were the only I choice. I was there, yeah, and I got it. So on that sheet of goals, at one point there was write a book. Yeah. What? How did the idea of what you wanted to write about crystallize? Was it always the idea I want about write write about women in film? Always wanted to write about film. I always read books about film, loved those books, and thought one day I'm going to write a book about film. But I really got into exploring women in film when I started doing these YouTube shows and I would talk about women in film and I was shocked to read the comments that would come back at me on the YouTube, the YouTube commenters who were so... Uh, shocked that I would talk about women in film and they would be quite crude about it as well. And at first it was hard to take a lot of these comments, but then it just made me more determined. I'm quite stubborn. So I thought, well, no, now I'm just going to talk about it more. So I started doing more research about women in film and learning statistics around women in film and being quite shocked to learn that out of the highest 100 top 100 highest grossing films every year, about 4% are directed by women and 96% by men. That always shocked me. So I started doing more research into that. Then I got asked to do a TEDx talk in 2015, which would talk about the stuff that I was already talking about online because I was starting to get known for speaking out for women. So I, I did the TEDx talk, I uh, learned more about women in film, and then from that talk the, I got a call from a publisher. Again, this is crazy, that I thought at the, at the end of last year, I thought, okay, next year is the year that I start to try to write a book. So I'm going to do a course in how to write a book proposal because I have no idea how that's done. So I started to do a course and... A week after I started doing a course, I got a call from the publisher. And then it just so happened that everything the publisher was asking for, I had just learnt in the week before. <laughs> so I just managed to stay on top of everything. Like they say, okay, we need a query letter. I was like, oh, yeah, right, learned how to do that last week. I will write that up. And then the next week they said, we need a short synopsis and a long synopsis. Okay, I got that. I could do that. We learnt that this week. And amazing that by the end of the course, I had a book deal. And it all came from this TED Talk, which came from speaking out at YouTube. But, again, it was on my bucket list. Amazing. And, and, and unfortunate that I, I think what you described earlier is called Lewis's Law, which is that the Lewis's Law is that the any article on feminism on the internet <laughs> is justified by the comments below that article. <laughs> it's so true. Yes, I know. It's so true and it... it drives me crazy. I still am surprised. Every time it happens, it's like a fresh surprise that it's 2017 and you're still getting these comments whenever you try to talk about feminism. I didn't think I was even a feminist because when I moved to LA, I just assumed everyone believed in equality. So I didn't even think I, I was needed to call call myself a feminist. But then once I started, I realised, oh no, this is needed. This is badly needed, and I'm and I've got this tiny little platform, so I might as well use it for more than Instagram likes. 
Take us through, and it's one of my favourite quotes in Hollywood, but take us through the name of the book, Backwards and in Heels. Backwards and in Heels. It's a great quote about Ginger Rogers, that she did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in heels. That was a quote that I've always loved, and I thought that that was a great metaphor for the history of women in film, that they have always been by the side of these great men, and they've done amazing things. They've just had a lot more obstacles to overcome because of their gender. That was the first title I thought of and put it on my book proposal and the book publisher loved that title. So I was, I was straight into it from that, from that start. Isn't that a story? What a story. Alicia's written heaps of books, not the least of which is her debut book, Backwards and in Heels, which is brilliant. And she's got a brand new book. It's called Girls on Film that came out earlier this year. Our full conversation is back in the podcast feed to episode 205. Love it if you listen, because Alicia's a very important person in my world. And um, I'm just so grateful that she made the time to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to Bree Steele for producing this episode, Andy Ma for cutting it up, Toe Hyder with all the music, and Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of all of it. I'll be back here on Friday. Until we speak then, sleep well and please dream of beautiful things. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs>